It is good to see you tonight in the house of the Lord. We're glad that you're here. If you're here in person or you've joined us online tonight, you're very, very welcome. We're going to start our meeting with number 319, hymn 319, There is Power in the Blood of Christ. Let's stand, please, as we sing. That was good singing tonight, and it's good to start off the service with such a, a great hymn of praise. You know, when we are thinking about what the Lord has done for us in the shedding of His blood and what we have received from so great salvation, we have every cause to be thankful and to rejoice. It's good to have your theology soundly grounded on the blood of the Lord Jesus and what that means to us. 
There is no replacement for that. There is nothing else that can be put in that position of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Turn to number 297, remaining seated while we sing this hymn, 297. Only trust Him. Let's sing. Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer, committing our evening service uh, to Him. Father, what joy and thanksgiving we have in our hearts this night for the privilege of being in the house of prayer and praise once more. And Father, as we have been singing these two great hymns that are focused on the precious atoning blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, we lift up and exalt 
Thy holy and great name. And we are so thankful this night for our Lord's work on the cross, for what He has done for us in redeeming these souls so deserving of a lost eternity. And yet, Father, we have been brought into a living relationship with our Father. And, O God, tonight we pray that Your loving kindness and grace and mercy would be so evident, clearly poured out, Father, that as we have already experienced such blessing, it will be multiplied and we will grow daily in the grace and knowledge and truth of our Lord and Savior. We pray, Father, as we were thinking this morning in the meeting of how necessary it is for us to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that we would all know the joy and peace and blessing and power of walking in the Spirit each and every day, that, Lord, we will grow more and more to be like our Lord Jesus, that His beauty will be reflected in us and through us, and that the world would see us and look upon us in our daily activity. They will know that we have been to Jesus. Lord, make use of us, we pray, in Your kingdom. Make use of us, we ask, O God, that our life and testimony will reflect always the holiness and majesty and wonder of our great Redeemer. And that, Father, in that, Your holy name would be magnified and that we would be carried forward as a witness in a very dark and evil and wicked world. Father, we want to be used, Lord. We pray that our lives will reflect exactly what has transpired in our own souls, that what has taken place, that we have been redeemed. We've been brought out of darkness and into light. And we ask, dear God, tonight that that will be clearly seen in all our lives. Lord, work tonight. We are so thankful for the daily experiences of grace and for the knowledge that we are not alone and that we are not trying to find our way through this life on our own power, by our own direction, but we have the Word of God Father, we have this truth set before us, given to us in our own language. And we are thankful, Father, for the clear direction by the Spirit of God. This is the way. Walk ye in it. And so, Lord, help us tonight, we pray, as we want to rejoice and to give thanks and to worship and praise in this evening service. And we ask that as we read the Scriptures and the Word is opened, that there will be encouragement and ministry and blessing and direction for every single heart. Father, we ask that for any unsaved, either here or watching online, that the Spirit of God will speak effectually to their hearts and they will be brought under conviction of their own sin and be brought to call out, Lord, save me, I perish. And Father, at the sound of that voice,
of the heart cry that you would do a great work of saving grace in their lives. Our Father, we are thankful tonight for everyone who we have been praying for that has been set aside, some sickness, some issue, some problem. And Father, we're thankful for the measure that we have seen of answers to these prayers. We do not stop there, but we continue on and we wait in faith and we are praying, Lord, for Your touch to continue. And we ask, Lord, to bless those in hospital tonight. Bless those who are recuperating at home. We're thankful for those who have been able to meet here, even though weak in their body. Yet, Lord, as we were thinking this morning, strong in spirit, strong by the strength of the Holy Spirit in our inner man. And Father, help us to go forward each day, growing in grace, growing more in likeness to our blessed Savior, and so that we will be useful in Your kingdom and work. Lord, we don't want to be set aside. We don't want to come to the end of our journey and then see that we have not fulfilled the purpose that has been set out for us. Lord, help us to accomplish that by doing Your will. We're thankful for the outreach that has gone out from this congregation, both in the corporate or public way and also, Father, in the private and personal communication. And bless that continually. Help us to lead souls to Christ. Make use of us to that end, we pray. Lord, we commit the meetings of this incoming week, and especially we would just commit our young adult conference, Lord, into Your hand and pray that every time we meet, every gathering for devotion or the outreach, the fellowship times, the evening services, we be very, very conscious of the Spirit of God working and moving and blessing. Lord, we're very thankful for the Schultz family who have arrived safely, and we pray Your continued blessing to be upon them We're thankful for the work that has been accomplished through their ministry in the Czech Republic. We ask, dear Father, the one who has already ministered today, the word that has gone out will continue to be blessed, and that there would be growth and increase in that ministry. And we ask, Lord, that You would bless richly uh, the dear family that is with us for these special meetings and a time of rest and fellowship. Lord, hear our prayer tonight. Bless every part of this service. We pray for our brother Caleb as he brings ministry and song that you would encourage his own heart, and may there be a blessing that would follow that. And as we think of the fellowship time after the service tonight, Lord, meet with us and bless our time of communication and communion one with another. And let that be as iron sharpens iron. So we, may we sharpen each other's countenance and fellowship in the things of Christ. Remember the needs of our denomination. Remember, Lord, we pray every faithful man who is preaching the Word of God across all of our sister congregations, whether in North America, in Ulster, in England, in uh, the various parts of the world in our mission stations. 
Lord, bless all who faithfully hold up the cross of Christ. And we also ask, Lord, to bless those not part of our fellowship, but yet still are being faithful to the Word of God, faithful to Jesus Christ our Lord, and preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. Bless them and encourage those ministries. And may there be great increase and growth. Lord, we know that in the great cause of Christ worldwide, in the great body of, of, of our Lord and Savior, we are but a very small section. And therefore, we are asking, Lord, to keep us faithful. We want to be sound in the Scriptures, sound in truth. We are also mindful, Lord, that there are much, there's much that is advancing and growing in the cause of Christ. And therefore, we pray that you would abundantly bless and encourage. So hear our prayers tonight. Be with us for all this meeting. We ask in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. We're going to sing again to the Lord's praise tonight, number 352. 352, and we will stand as we sing.
God. And it's good singing tonight to the worship of His name. We're going to read tonight for our congregational scripture in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. The book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Reading the first nine verses. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. May God bless the public reading of His Word to your heart tonight, and we pray that the truth that we have read, the Holy Spirit will take it and write it indelibly upon your own heart. He will bless you. We're very thankful that you're here tonight. We welcome you in the Savior's precious name. It's great to see you all whether you're here in person, or as I mentioned at the start of our service, you're online tonight, we're very thankful that you are here with us. It is a great joy and a blessing for us to welcome Pastor Milos Schultz and his family in our service tonight. And for those of you who may be newer to us, well, this is the home church of our dear brother, his wife Martina, and uh, their children. They have three of their children are with us tonight, and uh, two or more will be traveling on Tuesday evening to be with us. And there's a multiplied reason why uh, our dear folks are with us. He is the pastor of the church in the Czech Republic, and it's our missionary church there. And they began that work, it's hard to believe, back in 2008. That's going back a long time, and uh, we are very thankful for God's preserving grace in their lives and for helping them. And they're with us for just over two weeks, and it's going to be a time of blessing. They're staying with us in our home, and that's our great privilege before the Lord. And they're here for some deputation meetings, speaking in our local churches, 
and also for our Young Adult Conference. Their children are going to be joining in that, and also our brother and his wife will be uh, joining as well. And then also he'll be ministering in our congregation as well. So we're looking forward to all this time together. And of course, it's uh, a special providence that we're having the fellowship time after tonight in service, so you'll be able to get some time for talking and speaking with them. So folks, you are very, very welcome. We're happy that you're here with us in the service tonight. It's also very good to have our sister Johanna with us again tonight. We're happy that you're here. We welcome you again to our evening service. And uh, Brother Fraser, well, we gave a word of welcome to Brother James and Sister Diana. Uh, They have been away down in South Carolina with their family for the last couple of months. We're happy that they've stopped by tonight to say hello, and uh, they're heading out this coming Thursday to go to Calgary to minister the Word of God there for three Lord's Day. So please pray for them. Brother Daniel Simon and his wife Rebecca and their little one are in Calgary tonight. He'll be ministering the Word in another three hours or so, and uh, two hours, actually, they're two hours ahead. And so I know that he will appreciate your prayers And as they return home, God willing, sometime tomorrow or maybe Tuesday. But we want to remember them in prayer. Remember the work in Calgary. They don't have a pastor at this time. And they're needing and seeking the Lord for that. And in the meantime, other who will be preaching the Word there, remember that work before the Lord. Thank you for your faithful praying for us while we were away for a couple of weeks over in Northern Ireland. We had a very special time with our family there and visiting the churches and visiting many family and friends. And it was a blessing to be able to sit in in some other of our congregations there and visit some of the churches. And it was encouraging to see a good number of folks. There's a good health healthy spiritual-wise among the congregations there and much activity among the young people and the youth, and that is also very encouraging. And so I bring you greetings from the folks that we were able to visit. And I mentioned this morning we had some time with Reverend John Greer and John Armstrong, who were here just a few months ago for our presbytery meetings in May, and we enjoyed their fellowship. So it was good to have that time again Please remember in prayer Anna Tan, who had surgery, hip surgery, and is recovering in the hospital. And then I mentioned this morning about our sister Isabel Glynn. Isabel is at home now, but we're still needing much prayer for her recovery and also for our brother Ted, that the Lord would just give grace and direction there. And also please remember Sharon, she's in the hospital at this time, getting some further testing done to find out exactly what is the situation that is affecting her. So please remember all of these things in prayer. Let me ask you also, as we think about this incoming week, and Wednesday evening is the start of our Young Adult Conference, it's going to coincide with our prayer meeting, and so 7.30, everyone is invited. And we hope that, well, not just the ones who normally come to the prayer meeting, but uh, will you come along Wednesday night and enjoy the ministry of Reverend Andrew Simpson from our church in Prince George. 
He's coming to be the speaker for the main speaker for the conference of the young adults. And so please come along Wednesday night and there will be uh, that gathering. Then uh, all the folks who are part of the main conference be meeting on Thursday morning. There's some outings, some outreach, and meetings on Thursday night, Friday night, and then Saturday, and outing again. And on that note, we want to have a brief meeting of the uh, committee for the conference after the fellowship time tonight downstairs. So you can wait behind. We'll take a little time just to finalize some details. I believe that those are all the ministry announcements we have, apart from reminding you that next Lord's Day morning we'll be having our communion after the morning service, and Brother Andrew Simpson will be the speaker next Lord's Day for the services, and uh, lots of things going on and many things happening. But let me encourage you, and thank you very much for your faithful praying. Let's continue on to hold up these meetings before the Lord that God will richly bless. I mentioned that one young lady will be coming from Indianapolis this morning. It was kind of a late entry for our conference, and yet not from Indianapolis, actually from Winston-Salem Church, and so I made that correction. And another young man's going to be coming with Brother Andrew Simpson uh, from Prince George. Uh, these things are encouraging for us that are going to be joining, and we hope that you'll make an effort to be here uh, every all the time, young adults, for these meetings. All right, let's sing again, please, to the Lord's honor, number 525, and we will stand as we sing 525.
never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for those who will trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet or will walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. May the Lord grant that truth to be reinforced to our hearts as we worship and give praise to him. Let's sing this final verse. seated. I meant to mention that on Wednesday night at our prayer meeting, but the commencement of the Young Adult Conference, our brother Timothy Schultz is going to be giving a word of testimony on Wednesday night, and so that's another added benefit. Do please pray for that. We're delighted tonight that our brother Caleb Siu is with us, and he's going to bring a ministry in song at this time. Brother Caleb. God sent His Son, they called Him Jesus, He came to love, heal and forgive, He lived and died, to buy my pardon.
Thank you, Brother Caleb, for ministering in song tonight. Uh, great truth that the living Christ is the reason why we keep going, and we have great hope uh, that uh, we need not despair. Thank you, Brother, for that tonight. Please turn now in your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, the first four verses. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders, with diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to His own will. Let's pause, please, for prayer. Father, we give thanks tonight again for the Scripture being open and for the great privilege we have of gathering two or three in the house of prayer, the Word of God open, and I ask, Lord, tonight that each one of us would be very conscious of the Savior by our side, the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. Dear Lord, give us hearing ears, understanding hearts. Don't let any distractions rob us of the joy of the Word, the joy of being instructed by the Spirit. Lord, write your truth upon our hearts. Help us, we pray, those of us who are saved, that we might think again and even more deeply upon what we have received. And Father, for any who are in our building, those watching online, the Spirit of God would speak clearly to their hearts. Help me, I pray. Fill me with the Spirit of God, that unction from heaven, not something that is plastic, 
not man-made, not self-dependent, but that which is of God. So, Lord, hear our prayer. Meet with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to draw your attention, please, to the phrase in verse 2, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And I want us to think about that phrase, so great salvation. And the title of the message would be this, Above and Beyond. Above and Beyond. I don't need to say, but we are all very much aware of the growing violence in our city. From the the transit system, and you have heard much about that, and whether you're there or in the shopping mall, or perhaps even in the parking lot of the shopping mall, there is such an increase of violence and crime that people are fearful about going to their place of work. They are fearful about going to their school. They're fearful about going out of their home. Many people have come through the uncertainty and distress of COVID over the last number of years, and it has gone from there into the, well, distresses of increased violence and crime. Fearful for their lives. Fearful that if they step out, they might not ever come back again. Would they be, as they're walking down the street or in a mall or some place, where they'd be caught in the crossfire of some mindless gang shootout, or become the victim of road rage? They change a lane that was not done perhaps in the best way, and the next thing someone cuts them off and is ready to jump out of the car and wring their neck. These are real issues that we're facing today. People are on the edge, and they're wondering what is going on today in our society, in our nation. And it doesn't matter whether you touch our little area of Scarborough or the larger city of Toronto or any of the major cities that we're talking about. These things are pervasive. It seems that the only answer that we have by society and by the authorities is that we need more money for housing, we need more health care, we need more programs for youth. While much of society seems to spiral out of control, the answers given do not meet the problems that arise. In fact, the root cause of the problem is not only not addressed, but fuel is poured on that fire by a systematic rejection of biblical morality, of a rewriting 
of history, or perhaps the canceling of every politically incorrect opinion, and the disregarding of common decency and order, these things have been cast out of our society. And then society wrings its hands in not knowing what to do with the problems that are on the increase. On top of all this, there is the intentional unraveling and corrupting of young minds by the brainwashing, brainwashing children to question their gender and to engage in life-altering sex change surgeries that are none other than state-sanctioned mutilation of minors. These things are going on as we speak today in our land. Society and culture are spiraling out of control. And while people are uncertain about the future and what is the answer, in despair, the Bible, the Word of God, has the very answer that is needed. But the Bible has been rejected. God has provided a way of escape. There is deliverance. There is rescue. There is hope for a hopeless world for all and any who would receive it. But sadly, God's genuine way has been set aside. And in place of that, a third-rate knockoff that promises hope, even a utopian experience, but it falls very far short of real deliverance. And so the question is asked, my friend, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And as society continues, and maybe you are here tonight, either in the meeting, without the Lord, you're listening online, you're not a believer, and the very issues we've been talking about tonight have affected your mind. They're affecting your thinking because you, you face these things and maybe you're facing them right now and you don't have an answer. But I say to you, my friend, the Word of God does have the answer and yet you have stepped aside from that. You have withdrawn from it. And so the Apostle asked this question. It's a deep searching question because it deals with the matter of the heart. It deals with the matter of people in their life today. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And God has provided for us salvation that is above and beyond all and every description that could be given. I want you to notice tonight in the first thought is very simply that God has made a way of escape. He has made a way of escape. And you say escape from what? The first and great problem that mankind has is that he has been ruined by the fall into sin. And that ruin that occurred when Adam sinned and disobeyed God, and he as the representative of all humanity, humanity has fallen in sin 
through what Adam did. And as some would try to blame him and say, well, if he had not fallen, how come I am blamed for someone else's mistake? But the Bible very clearly says that we were all in Adam. And we all sinned in Adam. And so man is in a ruined, fallen, totally depraved state. And the second complication that comes is that he is unable to fix the problem. The sinful nature that we have is something that is part of our being as humans. And so mankind separated from God, depraved in our own sin, we now have a bigger problem that we can't fix it. Oh, man would love to try and fix it himself, and by his own self-righteousness, by religion multiplied, by making of idols, by all kinds of imaginative things, but he's unable to deal with the very core and heart problem. He is blinded by that. And we read in Ephesians chapter 2, that we in our sinful state are dead in our trespasses and our sins. And that blindness that has taken hold of every human heart, it means that we cannot see because of our sin, though mankind in his sin thinks he has perfect vision. He thinks he can see the way. But he's unable to fix the problem. And the third complication is that Ultimately, he denies that there is such a problem as sin. We've already been touching on that as we deal with the problems in society. Those problems arise. They are increasing because of man's corruption and rebellion against God and wanting to pour fuel on the sinful fire. And those things only increase to grow more. And then they try to put the fire out by implementing programs, systems, education. And it only gets worse and worse. And they will not even acknowledge that there is a sin issue. Because God is rejected, and the Lord who has made the laws that He has very clearly indicated that they have been broken But man denies that there is a God. They deny that there is a a Bible that is to be honored. There are no absolute standards. All of these things have been rejected. But you know something, friend? God did not leave man in that condition or place. He did not leave man in his unsaved and depraved condition but He made a way. He made a way when there was no way out. God made that exit possible. He gave deliverance. And the most amazing thing is that in God stepping down mercifully and making a way, He made a way when it was most undeserved. For when man sinned against God and the rejecting of the heart of man made it very clear he did not want God to rule over him. He didn't want the Lord to come and take hold and show him the way. He denied that there was a problem and said, I don't want God to rule over me. 
Friend, it is so undeserved, the salvation that God has provided. And it was most definitely unmerited, for there is nothing that I can bring to the table. There is nothing that any sinful man can say, here, Lord, take this aspect of my righteous behavior, my works, my religiosity, take this, and this will mount up to what? No, friend. It's unmerited. There's nothing that you and I can offer to God that would recommend us for His grace, mercy, salvation. It's not possible. And then what did the Lord do? He made the salvation that He prepared unconditional. He said, there is nothing that you have to do. There is nothing that I want from you to place on the table or the altar of sacrifice. The only thing that you have to do is come and receive the gift that I'm giving. It's unconditional. Oh, it does not mean, friend, that it is without cost. But it means that when God provided the way of salvation, He made it free. He made it so that a man must only receive that gift that he has given and made. And I say to you tonight, my friend, a great blessing and the great truth is that God has made a way of escape. The salvation He has provided is so great, so vast. It is above and beyond. But I say to you in the second thought tonight is that God's salvation is more than great. That little word, so, in our text, it is given to try and describe, to put in place, that what is being talked about here is not ordinary. It's not commonplace. It's not something that can be just taken for granted. The term that we use today, great, it's thrown around so much that it's almost lost its meaning. We use it to describe a lot of things, food, clothing, books, buildings, a host of personal experiences. But the overuse of any word, it can cause it to lose its weight or lose its impact. And therefore, when such a description is used to speak of something that is truly and justifiably magnificent, well, we must classify the subjects. We must put them in categories of importance. And we're not talking about things that just have to do with wardrobe or diet or architecture. Those things are one thing that we might use. But how can we possibly classify what God has given to us in the salvation of our soul. How can we properly define and describe such a thing? It must be placed in a category all its own. And so, how does the Holy Spirit describe it here? It is so great salvation. It is above and beyond anything that we are able to define but someone asked the question, rightly so, what makes this salvation of God 
so great. Well, I say to you, my friend, it is above and beyond everything else, and it is great in what it has saved us from. We have been saved from a lost eternity. We say that quickly, and you use the word hell, and we do it in a very careful way. But when we say that and the words roll off our tongue, how can we fully grasp the weight of what it means? God has saved us from eternal damnation. God has saved us from eternal punishment. God has saved us from being cast away from Him forever and ever. And so tonight, when we stop and think and ponder, and I say this to you, friend, this evening, if you are unsaved, if you're without Christ, think most solemnly and carefully about this truth. Think, my dear friends, if you know Christ this evening, you will never be in hell. You will never be separated from God. You will never be lost. You will be with God forever and forever. Is this salvation of God great? No, friend. It is beyond great. It is so great because we have been saved from eternal torment and punishment. The Lord Jesus Christ described hell as a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. People wonder, is hell something that is everlasting? Or is there something called annihilation? When a person leaves this world and they are judged by God and condemned, will their soul come to a point in time where they are annihilated and it's the end and there's no longer any existence? And that would be a very blessed thing if that was true. But the Bible speaks very clearly that the judgment and the punishment of God upon the devil, his angels, and all who have rejected so great salvation, it will be eternal torment. Now, friends, think about that very, very carefully. This is a solemn truth that if you are outside of Jesus, if you don't know Him, if you die in your sins tonight, and you are without Jesus as your Savior, then, my friend, you will be cast away into everlasting punishment. God has saved us from that. And that's what makes a salvation so great, so vital, so important. But it is great also because of what it has saved us to, we are going to glory and to heaven and to home and eternal bliss. We are going into the presence of our eternal God. We are going to spend eternity in fellowship and communion with the God who has loved us and the Christ who has given Himself for us. 
and we will never again know what pain or suffering or sorrow is. For we are going home to glory soon. And what hope can that give to those on their deathbed? In our pre-service prayer meeting tonight, a brother was remembering and praying for Reverend John Bodner. And our brother is coming very close to death. A man who preached many times in this pulpit, a faithful servant of God, and yet he very soon will be able to experience the presence of his God in heaven, his Spirit being saved for all time and for all eternity. Oh, friend, if you're having a bad day, I don't care how bad of a day you're having. Whenever that thought or that circumstance comes upon you, you place that thought, you place that circumstance in light of the cross work of Christ, in light of what God has done for you, in light of what He has given to us, everlasting glory. And soon, very soon, the melancholy thoughts, thoughts of depression, thoughts of sorrow, they will evaporate from your mind. Dwell much upon heaven. Dwell much upon your future. For all of us in this building, whether you are a teenager, middle age, or coming near the end of the road, all of us before too long will be in glory if we are in Christ. Because our life is like a vapor. Time is marching on. I amusingly said today as we saw friends overseas hadn't seen for several years, they all look a bit longer in the tooth, all putting on the mileage on the odometer, and we're all in the same boat. Yes, friend, why is this so great salvation? Because of what we are saved to and to glory. This salvation is so great tonight, friends, because of what we are saved with. And that is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what He has done for us, He left all of the glory of heaven to come to live among sinful human beings. He humbled Himself to become a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem. He humbled Himself to be called a liar, a denier of God, one who was a blasphemer, they charged Him. He suffered all of the abuse and rejection and why did He do that? He did it for you. He did that, my friend, for me tonight. And He carried the cross upon His own back. And the carrying of the cross in that physical emblem was simply a picture of the carrying of the cross of all my sin, of all your sin. And what a price that He paid that we might have so great salvation tonight. 
Do you know Him, friend? Have you been born again of God's Spirit? Because if you have, then you will realize why this salvation is great. I've been saved from hell. I'm going home to heaven. And the cost of my salvation was great because Christ so loved me that He gave Himself for me. He suffered in my place so that I might be set free. Yes, friends, it is of great value and of great worth. Think with me finally tonight. The high cost of neglecting this so great salvation. If we neglect Accountability is something that we are taught from the youngest age. We're taught accountability in all areas of life. Even the ungodly, they know what accountability is from the standpoint that if you break the law, there will be a payment of a fine. If the law is broken, that is very serious, there will be a breaking, and a jail time to be paid. You fail in school to hand in an assignment, well, you're going to get zero on that assignment. The whole issue of accountability in humanity, it comes back to the law of God. It's based on what the Lord has done in writing His law on the conscience of man. If you offend, there must be payment made. In a society that becomes unraveled is when law and order are disregarded. There is then mayhem. There is chaos. Even ungodly societies, they must have a degree of law and order in order to keep stability. When a person breaks a law, they must pay for that broken law. And God has set laws in the physical world, and if they are broken, there will be a casualty. The law of gravity tells us that if we step out off a ledge, we will fall. We will pay the consequence of ignoring the law of gravity. But what the laws of, in a natural sense, what they do in the physical world and what they are in the physical world are but a shadow of the moral law of God that He has given. Because the moral laws, they affect the physical and the spiritual. Yet this is much more because the moral laws overreach the physical. So if we steal someone's belongings we will pay in the court. But if we steal someone's belongings, it is a sin, not only against the individual and society, it is a sin ultimately against the Creator, against the God of heaven and earth. And so if we have broken His law, there is a day of accounting, a day when we will give answer The consequences for neglecting a minor offense 
it may be minimal. But willfully neglecting more major crimes will bring serious consequences. The very meaning of the word neglect, the Greek root word, it means to be unconcerned or careless, to make light of something. So, you've all heard, and recently to the news, people out on parole, they're again arrested for gun crimes, violent gun crimes, and the repeat offenders that are put back in jail, given parole, back out again, committing crimes again, they have totally neglected, ignored. They don't care about the laws of the land. There is a scale of importance of things that we neglect and their consequences. In some cases, it may be just poor judgment or bad manners, but in the more serious things of offenses whereby we break God's law, if we neglect God's offer of salvation having broken that law, we have foolishly squandered and we have rejected the most precious thing that could be given to mankind. And it would be the height of madness to willfully reject the very answer that God has given to the sin question of the soul. There are various forms of neglect. There is an active rejection of God and His Word. Those who would, like Pharaoh, shake their fist in God's face and say, who is the Lord that I should obey Him? I will not obey Him. And they willfully reject God's Word and they continue headlong in their course of evil. They have neglected so great salvation. And then there are others who will intentionally distort the truth. They will perhaps try to convince themselves that what the Bible is saying is not really valid, it's not really true, the consequences are not really there, and they try to distort the Word of God, and they convince themselves of something different than what it really is. There are those who will disdain the things of God. They will say religion is for the weak and the foolish, And they're not interested in doing that because they have an intellectual idea that their thinking is higher or above the Bible. And they have disdained and they have neglected the Word of God. Other folks, they come with sort of a pretended compliance. As the record gives us in Matthew 21, the Lord Jesus spoke about a certain man who had two sons, And he came to the first son and he said, Go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But after that, he turned and went. And the second son said, Yes, I will go. But he never went. And so that pretended compliance to the will of the Father, and yet all along denying and refusing, only putting forward a nice front. Ah, my friends, That is neglecting so great salvation. And then, of course, there is that group of people that are just totally apathetic to God's Word and way. And they say, I just really don't care less. You have your religion if you want. I don't want it. You go your way. Have it. I don't care. 
and they go about their whole life completely apathetic to God's things, and as they come to the conclusion of their life, it will be judged. They have neglected so great salvation. My friends, there is no escaping the consequences of this. But Hebrews 10 verse 27 says, But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries, there is a day of accounting. There is coming a day when every man will stand before the judgment seat of God. Friend, if you are not a Christian here tonight, you've lived your life so far in rejecting God and His Word, I say to you, beware and take this counsel tonight. Is it possible for believers to neglect so great salvation? Yes, I believe there is. I believe that we can taste and see the Lord is good. We can receive the gift of salvation. But we can become very cold-hearted, very careless, maybe even taking such a monumental blessing and gift, taking it for granted. Ah, friend, let that not ever be the case in our lives. Let us come before the Lord openly and honestly and say, Lord, help me each day to cherish so great a salvation as I have been given. Let me never treat the things of God casually or foolishly. Let me take them with all seriousness because, my friend, we are also going to give account for God as to how we have lived our life, how we have used the talents the Lord has blessed us with. No, we will not stand before the Lord in judgment for our sin because Christ has paid for our sin but there will be a time of giving answer for how we have used the talents that the Lord has blessed us with, how we have honored His name. My friend, if you don't know the Lord tonight, be sure that if this neglect, if it is not neutralized by receiving Christ, the longer you go on, your heart will become hardened and more hardened and more hardened until one day it becomes a solid mass of unbelief and your heart and your neck becomes hardened. The Lord says, suddenly you will be cut off. Suddenly your life will be taken from you. And so I say to you tonight, and if you're watching online, I say, friend, flee from the wrath that is to come. Call upon the Lord, and while you have life, and while you have opportunity, and as you call upon Him, He has promised that He will hear, and He will forgive, and He will save. I pray the Lord would write His truth upon every heart tonight. We're going to close our service by singing number 329.
Life at best is very brief. Like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf, be in time. Fleeting days are telling fast. The die will soon be cast and the fatal line be passed. Be in time. Let's stand, please, and sing prayerfully. Pass away, you have not long to stay, be in time. While God's Spirit bids you come, sinner, do no longer roam. Lest your zeal, you seal your hopeless doom, be in time. Sinner, heed the warning voice. Make the Lord your final choice. Then all heaven will rejoice, be in time. Let's bow please in prayer. Father, work tonight, we ask, in every one of our hearts so that we would have a greater appreciation and thankfulness of what our Lord Jesus has done for us. Father, for what has been provided in this great salvation. Lord, I pray that you would speak effectually to the hearts of any who are still pondering, still wondering, still trying to make sense of it all. Oh God, speak tonight, we pray. Hear our prayers. Receive our thanks for the time of fellowship downstairs afterward, for the food provided. Meet with us, Lord, and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.